Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. We are here, a very exciting episode today, talking about the Jets. They've played two preseason games now. That's right, folks. Live football against the Giants. They won that game 12-7 against the Packers. They won that one 23-14. All sorts of positivity in the air. Plenty of reasons to be excited. We've only got one more preseason game left coming up in three days. And then after that, bye week, regular season. So we are right there. We are right on the fringe. And most importantly, we have live action football that we can discuss and talk about. No more is it a talk of... Who will be battling in training camp? Who's projected to be good? What are we projecting to be the roster? Now we're actually seeing it kind of take shape. 66% of the way through this preseason, we got a pretty good gauge. In fact, we've already done five cuts, bringing the roster from 90 to 85. And then today, about one hour ago, the New York Jets just released the next five cuts from 85 to 80, as today was the next deadline. And after that, on the 31st at 4 p.m., we've got the final cut down to 53. And then it's full steam ahead. So that's seven days from now. You know, we get to talk about everything that's happened, who's trending up, who's trending down. I call it a new section that we're calling popping and flopping. We're going to talk about which boys is popping, which boys is flopping. We are going to do injuries, news and notes. We're going to talk about who's banged up, guys that are working back, all that stuff. We're going to do transactions that have happened. And then in that popping and flopping section, that's going to be the bulk of the episode where we're going to talk about offense, defense, and just go through, as we always do, position by position. What have we learned from two preseason games and through training camp thus far? I've also got the two fun sections, What's on Tap and Father Time, so that's going to be good. And then we're going to close it off with just a little look ahead, and that's it. I'll be back here again two weeks from now. So before we begin, I need to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. It is under the podcast title, Gang Green Nation podcast series title, This is the Jet Life. Now, I got a bunch of subscribers, and I appreciate every single one of you who subscribes. You got listeners all over the world, all sorts of different countries. I didn't think that would ever happen, but it did, and that's crazy. Um, but I don't have very many reviews, not very many ratings, and for the most part, they're positive, but I would love a few more. If you guys could just go on there, take the 15 seconds, whatever it is, just to tap, you know, five stars if you like it that much. Otherwise, probably don't even go on there at all. It's just probably a waste of your time. Um, a positive review, it'd be great. I don't ask for it specifically outright like this very often, but, uh, why not? Shoot your shot. All right, so... Moving on, we are going to begin this podcast. Oh, I need to remind you to follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan, should that interest you as well. Cool. Talking news and notes, the biggest thing right now this time of year is injuries. Training camp happens, and you go in fully healthy. You know, you got a couple guys maybe that are banged up from the year before, but for the most part, you're imagining your, you got your 90-man roster, you're imagining your perfect 53, how it's going to play out and everything. You start analyzing on paper who you're going to play. But in reality, a lot of guys don't even make it there. They get injured before you even get to week one. And we're going through all of that right now. We are dealing with a plethora of injuries, you know, something that bit us last year. It's biting us again, new coaching staff and everything. But still, it's uh, it's been a tough last little bit. And we've done two joint practices. We did a joint practice with the Packers where we had all sorts of injuries there. We did a joint practice with the Eagles started today, had more injuries today. And we're just looking for some good news right now. But we got to start with the bad. Carl Lawson... As everybody I'm sure already knows, Torres Achilles, he is out for the season, already on season-ending IR. 
So we've put a couple of guys on IR. Before I begin this, Carl Lawson, I need to remind you all, IR at this point in the game, if you're on IR right now, you're out for the entire season. Anybody who's going to be put on short-term IR needs to be put on that list after August 31st, which is the last day of cutdowns. So if you were going to be on short-term IR to miss, say, three weeks, a guy like Ashton Davis, potentially say he's a candidate, you would need to keep him on the active 53-man roster for cutdowns. And the following day, you could move him over to IR. So you actually can't just move all those people that are injured over to IR to get to your 53-man roster. You have to count all of them. And if you choose not to count them in your 53, they're done for the year. So there's a few guys like that. Carl Lawson is by far the biggest one. I mean, what a brutal blow to lose a guy that was dominating so much in camp. I mean, he's going up against Makai Becton, who we know is a very, very good left tackle. And he's having his way with him frequently. He's getting to the quarterback. He's making all sorts of noise. And he was the blue-chip signing for Joe Douglas in this offseason. This was the first year that we really started going after some, you know, flashier players. We got the edge rusher. We got the wide receiver and Corey Davis. Carl Lawson making the money that he made and coming in here for three years in that $15 million a year deal, it uh, it stings to lose him for the whole year. I'm confident the Jets would have had a top five defensive line in the entire NFL if Carl Lawson and Quinn and Williams stayed healthy. Those are the two big names. And then you got a bunch of good rotational players that I really like. You got like 10, 11 serviceable people that Robert Sala could move around on that defensive line, depending on who he keeps. And when you lose Carl Lawson, definitely the best pass rusher the Jets have, you lose a lot of that. And it kind of hurts the defense, too, overall. I mean, it definitely does, but in the sense that the cornerbacks are basically asked to play press man coverage for the first, like, second and a half and make the quarterback do a hitch and throw to his second read, third read, and then you get your pressure. You need to get guys that can win one-on-ones, and Carl Lawson was the guy that could consistently do it. And now that he's not there and you're putting somebody else in, don't get me wrong, we've got some good depth. But if they're not winning as quickly, quarterbacks are going to have time. They're going to be standing in the pocket, and they're probably going to be converting a lot of third and medium to third and longs on us. Kind of like last year, it's going to be frustrating. But that's what happens. And Carl Lawson would have been a huge addition to this team. It is so disappointing to see a guy that's a fan favorite, as nice a guy as he is, um, you know, not even get to start a season because you know he was working super hard. Anybody who's been watching One Jets Drive, he was in there. And the more you see of him, the more you love him. And uh, nothing but the best wishes for him. We still have him under contract for two more years. Next year, he definitely will be on the team. We'll see if he makes it to that third year because it's not all guaranteed. But we need him back for next year, and hopefully he can get that Achilles right because Achilles can be a very serious injury. And sometimes you don't come back the same way that you were injured. You know, you may wait a full year and still be a step slower than you were. Hopefully it's not a career-ending thing like that. After that, just the other day, Jared Davis gets injured. He's out for two months with an in, an ankle injury. He's uh, probably going to be coming back somewhere around the bye week in week six, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back after that bye week if everything goes as planned, no setbacks or anything like that. He was going to be a big part of this defense as well. He's a guy that, uh, you know, he was kind of like a Darren Lee for the Lions and that he was a high draft pick in the first round and didn't really pan out but had some athleticism and things. But I think he had a lot more promise than a guy like Darren Lee. And Robert Sala and the defense, Jeff Albrecht, saw something that they really liked in him and thought that they could bring him into this system and play fast and play aggressive. And he's a good tackler. And we saw him making some plays in the preseason. Losing him hurts for sure. And uh, he's going to have to be replaced by a guy who has very little, if any, playing time in the NFL. So we'll see what happens there. Connor McDermott, backup tackle, was carted off the field uh, versus the Packers with a knee injury. He was not probably going to make the roster, but as the Jets continue to lose offensive line depth, it becomes a bigger and bigger deal because, you know, you got good starters here, they're healthy, but you did assume that you had Tier 2 players behind them. Now it's looking like if your Tier 2 players are getting injured, you may be going to Tier 3 or picking off the scrap to try to 
assemble a offensive line. And hopefully those guys don't play this year. But Connor McDermott, we're waiting to hear back from him. Michael Dwumfor, who was playing pretty well in the Giants preseason game, got injured. The Jets waived him, then moved him to IR, so he's out for the year. Cameron Clark had a pretty serious injury in practice where he had a spinal contusion. He was put on IR, so he's done for the year. And then Zane Lewis, a guy who was a cornerback, converted to safety, playing all right so far in preseason. He was put on IR, so his season is also over. Now, there's so much news every single day of practice. Guys that are training, guys that are doing light individual drills, guys that are taking a day off, this and that, a million things. It's hard to keep up with all of it. But the main things, the banged-up guys right now that we're waiting to get a little bit more information on, hoping to get them back to full strength soon, would be Makai Becton, who today, I guess he had a head injury and puked. So usually when you puke after getting your head hit, it's a sign of a concussion, and so they're evaluating him for that right now. Concussion, concussions, you have to go through protocol, but that can be anything from, like, one and a half weeks to clear protocol. You know, we've seen guys get concussions and finish their career and just say, you know what, I'm not going to play football anymore because I can't take any more concussions. So hopefully that's not the case. And if he does have one, hopefully it's low grade and he's able to come back sooner than later. Definitely for the season opener would be huge because, you know, we have George Fant and Morgan Moses, so there is some flexibility there at left tackle. But you really, he's the guy. This whole offensive line is kind of built around him, and he needs to keep getting better and stay on the field. We know injuries have been a problem, so getting him back would be big. Brandon Eccles, the rookie, he hurt his hip today. We'll see what's up with him. Denzel Mims, Sheldon Rankins, LaMarcus Joyner are all a little bit banged up day-to-day. Hopefully going to be good for week one. That's kind of the expectation right now. Uh, And then Mike White, Ronald Blair, Ryan Griffin, Chuma Adoga, and Jason Pinnock are also banged up to different degrees, and we'll see if they're back. But right now, none of them are considered serious injuries, and they should be back. Somewhat, somewhat soon. Guys that are working their way back that have been injured, Quinnen Williams, he's back there padded up, starting to do some drills. You know, Coach says he's a little rusty, which is perfectly fine. He's switching defensive schemes. They're going from a 3-4 to a 4-3, so that's a big deal. But uh, getting him back out there was big. Elijah Moore was in practice today, making some great catches. That's great to see. It's the first time that he's, you know, been fired up in a couple weeks now, playing on the field. And AVT is working his way back. He's now suited up for practices and doing individual drills and a couple team drills here and there. So if he's ready for week one, if Quinn and Elijah Moore, AVT, are ready for week one, that'll be huge. Mekhi Becton, of course, as well. And then the other guys, yeah, the healthier you are, the better. So we'll see what happens with everybody, but we'll keep monitoring that as time goes on. Next, a bit of news would be transactions the Jets have made since last podcast two weeks ago. They waived kicker Chris Nagar. They also waived Corey Ballantyne, who had a couple nice returns and running back Austin Walter. They also waived and then re-signed defensive back Bennett Jackson. I don't know why they did that, but they decided to bring him back. They put Lawson, Dwumfor, and Zane Lewis and Cameron Clark on IR. We talked about that already ending their season. And the Jets signed two players to kind of replace the injured guys with Carl Lawson out, with Cameron Clark, and then potentially Connor McDermott missing time. They brought in defensive end Aaron Adier. And they brought in offensive lineman Isaiah Williams. So they will be here for preseason and training camp. We'll see if they can make a big enough impact in the next seven days to not get cut on the final 53-man roster cuts. And after that, the Jets do one last thing. They make their final cutdowns from 85 to 80. And today the Jets decided to make the decision moving on from wide receiver Manasa Bailey, wide receiver Josh Malone, linebacker Edmund Robinson, and offensive lineman Tristan Hogue. They also placed defensive lineman Vinny Curry on reserve non-football injury list. So we knew that Vinny Curry was injured, but he makes up a roster spot. And then when you move him over to reserve NFI, you save a spot. So that's one of the five cuts. And then they just get rid of Bailey, 
and Malone, who were not going to be difference makers there. Edmund Robinson was not going to be making the team as a linebacker. And then Tristan Hogue, an undrafted free agent that I think a lot of people were hoping would be a more impactful player. He played at BYU with Zach Wilson, and we were kind of fired up for him when we got him as an undrafted free agent, thought he would be a good project, but he's not making it past the 80-man roster here. So those are the moves the Jets make. We are now doing one more week of preseason, and then on the 31st, 4 p.m., we will cut the roster down to 53. So we're going to talk about how the Jets will make that decision, what they've seen so far through preseason, what we've seen in training camp, what players are flopping, what players are popping. But before we do all that, we do need to do a quick father time because my dad sent me an extremely optimistic, positive father time that I just absolutely loved when I read it. I was like, wow, man, you're getting me fired up for the season, and I'm going to share it with all of you. So these are my dad, David Burnham's thoughts on the Jets this week for this week's father time. Football is near. Week one is closing in jet speed, and the Jets look good and bad, but mostly unfinished. They are an unfinished product, and it's easy to see why. A quick list. A new coach in Robert Sala. A new offensive coordinator with a new wide zone zone scheme. A new defensive coordinator with a new 4-3 front. New position coaches, a rookie quarterback, and one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Bottom line, the Jets are a team loaded with untested players and new schemes with new coaches. In comparison to other teams in the NFL, the Jets are working under a huge cluster of disadvantages. We are organizing from scratch while other veteran teams are fine-tuning. But that gap will close in the first few weeks. The gap will close as everybody top-to-bottom gels into their roles and melds into a functioning team that Coach Sala envisions. And it's going to be a little rough at the start. But know this, our Jets are going to try harder than any team in the league, spearheaded by youth, enthusiasm, and Coach Sala. Our Jets are going to surprise all of us and beat some very good teams this year. And our Jets will be the trap game nightmare of 2021 for virtually every team that plays us. Go Jets. End scene. (laughs) Hello, optimism. Where has this been all my life? Yeah, I mean, my dad is saying it all that the team is unfinished. There's absolutely a ton of youth. There's a bunch of question marks. There's a bunch of new things being moved around. And it is going to be rough. It's going to be sloppy. We've seen that in training camp so far. We've seen that in preseason so far. The Jets kind of look, you know, undermanned when they play against other teams in these joint practices, the Packers and Eagles specifically. But at the end of the day, they are young, they are moving towards it, and a guy like Robert Sala gets the most out of players. And J.D. has done everything that he can to bring in guys that are leaders, that try hard, team captains in college, people that, you know, put themselves in the game with all of their heart and mind, and this is the perfect people to respond to the type of message that Salah is going to be giving them all year. They're going to be sprinting around the field, hitting hard, running faster. And if my dad's right, it is going to be a very fun team to watch. And I like him going out on the limb and saying that the Jets are going to beat some good teams and be that trap game because they do have some firepower, and you've seen it in preseason so far. There are some pieces that are like, all right, if these guys get going, they can absolutely compete with some of the top teams. I don't think they're going to beat them, but they can definitely put up points, and they can definitely make some plays on defense. We've seen it so far through preseason. It's going to continue as the year goes on, and these guys are going to gel into their roles. It's going to become more and more comfortable for them. Right now, you've got so many new people, so many new systems and things all together. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of rust. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of learning, and as that stuff kind of fades away and the team just gets more comfortable and starts playing rather than thinking, that's when we're going to see some big changes, and hopefully hopefully the Jets start making a turn towards one of the better teams in the league by the end of this year and start looking like they're close, and then we can really close the gap, go for the playoffs next year. You know, all sorts of good stuff ahead, hopefully, but that was a great father time, very optimistic. I appreciate it, Dad, so thank you. And now before we move on to... Let me get a light on this dark in here. Before we move on to... 
the flops and the pops, we got to do a quick commercial break. All righty, welcome back. We are going to talk about who's popping, who's flopping, and we're going to start on offense. We're going to start with the quarterback position. We're going to start with Zach Wilson. This guy looks absolutely dynamite. Everybody's got their opinions on it, whether or not you should be buying into what you've seen in preseason, whether or not you should just take it all with a grain of salt, brush it all off, and say we've seen this before. At the end of the day, all you can do is what you can do, and what he can do is play the snaps that he plays, and he's done them very, very well. Of all quarterbacks in preseason week two, with at least 11 pass attempts, Zach Wilson had the highest quarterback rating of all of them. Zach Wilson is shining. He's making the right plays. But most importantly, he looks good doing it. It's not just that he's making you know 150 yards and two touchdowns. That's great. But he's going through his reads. He's going through the progressions. And he's making the right decision at the right time. Sometimes he checks down when it's the right decision. He finds the big chunk yardage when that's the right decision. And he's comfortable back there, not getting hit, not getting sacked, standing back there, making the throws. Sometimes the pocket gets a little bit tight, but he's comfortable making the throw. And then we've seen a couple just absolute dimes from him. The one this most uh, recent week against the Packers that he threw to Corey Davis rolling to his right where he just flicked the wrist and hit him, that was just like, okay, there's the arm talent. And then he did one rolling to the left, the touchdown to Tyler Croft, the second touchdown of the Packers game. He was rolling to his left and made this across-the-body throw that was so on the money to Tyler Croft, he didn't even lose stride, kept going up towards the end zone, kept that momentum, and guys were afraid to hit him because he's a big boy at full speed that didn't have to stop or slow down to catch the ball. And throws like that are what get guys open, get guys touchdowns, get you the yak, and make the team successful. He's also picking up third downs. We saw it in the Giants game. Right when he came out, he's picking up third and eight, third and 12, and he comes out against the Packers, does it again, picking up third and sixes, picking up longer than that. He's going for the yardage when he needs it. And they say that uh, apparently in his press conference, so he throws the ball to Tyler Croft on the first touchdown, up a little bit high, and it's like a 20-yard pass. He actually says that he purposely threw it to that shoulder on Tyler Croft because the safety was behind and coming up and he didn't want him to get hit. So he not only got a touchdown pass to him, but he also did the little tiny nuances of like a, a serious veteran in the league of throwing to a specific spot on the receiver's body to help them stay safe, get extra yardage score. I mean, these are just next level things that he's doing. Next level processing, next level comfort, next level arm strength and talent. And everything that you're seeing is just coming together great. Now, he hasn't been hit yet. He hasn't been rocked around. He hasn't been losing. He's not played against starters. There's a lot of things that he hasn't done, a lot of things that can still go wrong, sure. But what he has done, what we have seen in a comfortable pocket with him playing in this preseason, brand new system, all these new receivers that he just met two, three months ago, he's looking damn good. And if he keeps it up, I mean, how could you not be excited? Zach Wilson provides something from the quarterback position that we really haven't seen. We thought we were going to get it from Sam Darnold. I specifically thought we were going to get it from him. We didn't. But Zach Wilson has the ability to have those 4,000, 5,000-yard seasons, those 30-touchdown pass seasons, things Jets quarterbacks have just never done since Joe Namath. And he really looks like he could do it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's going to happen, that I'm guaranteeing Zach Wilson's success in the NFL. But I will say that I am absolutely higher on him today than I was two weeks ago. And he keeps moving up. He keeps progressing. He keeps looking better and giving me reasons to believe. So until that stops... I'm going to keep being excited, and you all should too. So lots to be excited about there. I've also watched 20 or more preseason games so far, and I've really been focusing on the rookie quarterbacks just to get a gauge for what we're seeing from Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is absolutely the best one of all of the first-round rookies or any of the rookies drafted this year. He's making the most consistent plays and has the fewest, fewest errors of any of them. If you watch Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, 
and Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson is making as many big plays as really any of them without having any mistakes. You know, he's not just checking it down. He's not doing dump-offs. Mac Jones is doing a lot of that. Trey Lance has a big play here. Justin Fields has a nice run there. But they're not doing it consistently. And then Trevor Lawrence, you know, hasn't looked that good so far. That team is an absolute dumpster fire. But Zach Wilson's the only guy that's checking all the boxes. There's really nothing that you can see in his game right now that would make you say, well, I'm not sure if he's ready to start week one. He is. And thank goodness he is because our backup quarterbacks suck. Mike White, who got banged up, has not been playing well. And Captain Morgan behind him has been playing even worse. That guy can't hit the broadside of a barn. And in two games so far, you've been hoping to see maybe James Morgan would get a little bit more comfortable, maybe make a couple good throws. But it's like the second James Morgan comes in the game, there's no more football to watch because the plays don't even happen. It's just like one-yard runs and incomplete passes, four yards over the receiver's head. You're punting, and it's just a mess. So there's really nothing to even evaluate there because he's never on the field because he can't do anything to continue a drive. So it's really hard to be excited about what you have there. Josh Johnson hasn't even played in preseason yet. So I don't know what the Jets are going to do with this backup quarterback position, especially if Mike White, the most capable of the two between Morgan and White, the only two that have played as backup quarterback so far, if he's banged up, I mean, you can't, Morgan can't play in the NFL. That simply can't happen until he becomes a different quarterback and progresses. It still can happen. There's a chance that he progresses, but right now, no, he can't be on the field. And we'll see what happens there, but Zach Wilson, he really is the answer. And if uh, he goes down and we're playing a backup quarterback anyway, the season probably is shitty to begin with. Now moving on to the running backs. The running backs has been a very impressive room so far. The Jets are going to be a strong running team. It's going to be a rotation of these guys. We already know that. But when you see Tevin Coleman, he's back and he's fast. And he's actually a little bit bigger than I remember him being with a little bit more power. Not that he really pushes his shoulder through people, but that he falls forward when he goes down and isn't afraid of getting hit. Michael Carter has some great speed and agility. We saw a couple really nice runs from him this last week, playing in the second half against some backups, but some nice bursts from him, hitting the hole hard, a couple nice little juke moves. P. Ryan's been playing late in the game, but he's been picking up third and ones, third and twos. I like to see him doing that. Ty Johnson, he's not been good in the third and ones. He's he's failed on two. I think it was a fourth and one conversion, did not get, and a third and one opportunity up the middle both times, didn't get it. He's not the guy that should be doing that, and I know that you're thinking to yourself, like, well, maybe they're not expecting it, so Ty Johnson can find a sneaky hole and, and slip through. I think that role is better served for a guy like Tevin Coleman or LaMichael Pirine or just run outside or throw the ball because Ty Johnson going up the one hole is very, very easy to stop. We've seen that. Otherwise, I'm very pleased with Ty Johnson. I think that if you're rating them, Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson probably look like the two guys that are the most ready to go right now. But Michael Carter definitely has that pop ability that you were hoping for. You can see it. And Pirine, I think he's got a place on this team. I think he does because he's not a horrible player. He does have a little bit more power than the other running backs on the team. He can block very well. He's probably the best blocking running back we have. And, you know, he's still on a rookie deal, drafted by Joe Douglas. Josh Adams probably will not make the team, and Austin Walter's already gone. So that'll probably be the four running backs that we have. You move over to fullback, and Trevon Wesco experience has been kind of like, we drafted this guy, we moved him to fullback. Can he play that position? We don't know. We know the Shanahan offense wants to have a fullback, but... What's going to happen with this guy? We don't know. I have another one other than Trevon Wesco. He's been playing pretty great. I like him. He's got some grit. He's got some grind, a little edge playing that fullback position. Against the Giants game, you saw some really nice blocks from him. And then this past week, he had a nice catch, little yards after the catch. I think that he can be a serviceable fullback. He may not be on the field as often as Avante Leach was when they were with the Texans in the Shanahan system. May not be on the field as often as Kyle Juszczyk is in San Francisco now. But he can be a serviceable fullback for the Jets it appears, and I think he's going to make the roster. 
Going to the wide receivers, this has been a very interesting group. Corey Davis was the big signing, the big offensive signing of free agency for the Jets, and he has been awesome. He had 70 yards after the first quarter of this most recent game. I mean, on pace for what, 280 yards? It's probably not going to happen, but what an incredible start to the game. And the week before that, also an incredible start to the game. They're giving him short little dump-offs where he can run. They're giving him deep ball throws where he can get the ball open field. I mean, he looks like the real deal. I don't think he's a top five receiver in the league, but he looks like a true number one the Jets have been looking for for a while now. When you talk about the other receivers, Denzel Mims is a name that's very interesting because he's moving down the depth chart. A lot of people got worried when he's moving like that wide receiver five role and he's playing with the backups and everything, but that's kind of where he belongs in this offense. We talked about that last week. But when he came out in preseason week one against the Giants, he looked like a guy who wanted to make the roster. He had a yards after catch play where he was just barreling through people, picking up a first down. It was like third and 18, and he picked up 19 or 20, just trucking through people like a Quincy Anunima type of run from a guy that you don't really expect that from. And he looks like a guy who wants to make the roster. He made a couple nice plays after that in the same game and was basically the best offensive performer against the Giants. And then he got banged up, and he wasn't able to play in this most recent preseason game, and he's not even practicing at this point in time. We're hoping that he's going to be back against the Eagles. Definitely hope he's going to be back against Week 1. The thing is, Week 1, he probably won't have a huge role anyway because you're going to have Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole. You're going to have Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder all ahead of him, so he's going to be wide receiver 5 at best. Probably won't get much playing time. This is his real opportunity to shine and show that he should be on the field. And uh, he's missing valuable playing time. But from what we saw early on, he did look good. Definitely trending up. You got uh, Braxton Berrios and big play Vincent Smith kind of fighting for a spot, in my opinion. I think they may go with six receivers. And DJ Montgomery is a name that you may see slip in there. Maybe a Jeff Smith would be a surprise. But the two guys that really look like they could take wide receiver six would be Braxton Berrios, big play Vincent Smith. Now, big play Vincent Smith has made some nice grabs in preseason. Braxton Berrios, his most recent game, had two nice little gritty grabs, his slot receiver style. What I think gives big play Vince the edge here is that he's a much better special teamer. He made a couple of really nice tackles. He made a really nice stop on like the two-yard line on a punt by Braden Mann. And Braxton Berrios was given a couple opportunities to return punts, and he's not done anything with it. He's fair caught it. The times that he did run, he moved slow and got tackled easily. So when Braxton Berrios trended down there, you're looking at him, okay, if he's not going to be a punt returner for the Jets, he's obviously not going to be a gunner because he can't tackle. He's not going to play on kickoff team, really. So his role on special teams would be returning. If he can't return, then he's truly a receiver. If you put him in the slot, you've got Jameson Crowder, Elijah Moore can play the slot, Keelan Cole can play the slot. Not a great opportunity there. Big play Vincent Smith, he can return in kickoffs. I haven't seen him do punts yet. It's possible he could do that, but we have Keelan Cole and Elijah Moore who can do punt returns. He can also do gunning. He can also do kickoff coverage. He can also be a wide receiver outside and potentially could move inside if needed. He's also very young. He's very cheap. I think he could be the guy that makes it instead of Braxton Berrios. So we're going to watch out for that. Like I mentioned, DJ Montgomery has been kind of interesting, and uh, Jeff Smith's been kind of interesting as well, but I don't think those guys really could crack it. And I don't see the Jets carrying seven or more receivers. Maybe one of them makes the practice squad, something like that. Probably nothing good coming for Cager, but... Uh, yeah, I, overall, you got to be pleased with the receiver room because Corey Davis is shining, Elijah Moore is coming back, Denzel Mims is trending up, and then you've got Jamison Crowder and Keelan Cole, who we haven't seen much from, but you know what they are. When you go over to the tight end group, that's a room that hasn't been so good. In training camp, they've dropped a lot of passes. Ryan Griffin's banged up. Kenny Yaboa caught one ball against the Giants for zero yards, fumbled it immediately, so you're like, oh my God, he's got nothing there. Cra uh, Herndon's having drops in training camp. 
Croft is having drops in training camp, and you're just looking for a little bit of life there because you know that in this offense, they definitely want to have at least one or two tight ends that can not only block but can catch the ball. And we're like, who are we going to roll out on the field right now? But in this most recent game, Tyler Croft scored two touchdowns and made his case for tight end one. Now, Chris Herndon is the guy that I think we all kind of wanted to root for because he's got some pop. We've seen it before. He's young. If he becomes the best version of Chris Herndon, it's a pretty good player. Probably a better player than the best version of Tyler Croft. But at this point in time, there's no reason to think we're ever going to get that Chris Herndon because it's been so long and it's so few and far between. So are we screwed or is Tyler Croft the guy? He's got some sneaky skill. You can see it there, sneaking behind the defense, making some catches, a little bit of yak, and the guy can block well. So I do think that Tyler Croft is going to be a serviceable tight end that probably will need to be upgraded next year. Maybe he could be a backup next year, but he probably is the tight end one. I have no idea what Ryan Griffin's role on this team is going to be, if it's even going to be here. Daniel Brown is a guy that you would think would be gone because he doesn't do much in the game, but he's one of the best special teamers, and you know that uh, Brant Boyer really likes having him around. Kenny Yaboa, he did have a catch against the Packers that was much better than the zero-yard fumble, but he may be more of a practice squad type of guy. It's an interesting room, but at least right now you have a little bit of arrow pointing up, a little bit of pop from the boy Tyler Croft, a little bit of flop elsewhere. Moving over to the offensive line. The offensive line has been looking really, really bad in practice. Every time they do a joint practice against the Eagles or the Packers, it's a mess, and people are getting through, getting a ton of fake sacks. They don't actually touch the quarterback when they're wearing a red penny in training camp, but they count them as sacks and whatnot. But then when they play in the games against, you know, albeit second-string, third-string guys, potentially some first-stringers out there against the offensive line, they've been playing really good, and Zach Wilson's hardly been touched. So you're wondering, where exactly is this team? Well, I'll tell you, Mekhi Becton is working on stuff in training camp and in practices. He's working on this new zone scheme. It's not as much just mash and push a guy. It's more footwork and agility, and he's got to work on that. So he's getting better every single day. When he's in games, he's better than practice because in practice, you're working on new things. How do we try this? Then in game, you're actually doing it. Dan Feeney next to him has been horrible. AVT has to come back. Dan Feeney may be worse than Alex Lewis. Dan Feeney can't block worth shit. His backup he left for a little bit. Murray comes in. He was horrible. We have nobody that can play guard except for Greg Van Roten looks like a freaking star right now compared to the left side. And then AVT, he is the answer. If AVT, he's a guard that you move up for in the first round to draft. He has to be really freaking good. He needs to get healthy to get there, but he's got to be really freaking good. And if he is, you put him next to Mekhi Becton and the guy on his right, Connor McGovern, who's having a great camp so far, that's going to be really, really fun. Mountainside just got stronger. McGovern apparently is taking to the zone scheme offense very, very well, having his best training camp so far with the Jets, and he looks like he's going to have a really good season. Greg Van Roten, not super strong, but he's a serviceable right guard for this year. And then at right tackle, a very interesting battle between Morgan Moses and George Fant. I don't love either of them. I thought I was going to be more into Morgan Moses when we got him. He, so far, he looks okay. Not amazing. George Fant, we know what we get from him. He's all right, not amazing. Um, hopefully the better man wins, and at least you have another option in case somebody goes down. The depth there is super important because Mekhi Becton, he's already got the head injury, potentially need George Fant to play there. And as the season goes on, you know, you don't want to put in now at this point below Connor McGovern and Adoga because those guys are out. So who the hell are you going to put in to guard the blind side of Zach Wilson? Thank God we have Morgan Moses and George Fant. And... We'll see who wins the battle at right tackle. I guess I'd still lean Morgan Moses right now, but we got a little bit more to see, and we'll see what the team, whatever the team decides there, honestly, it's a, it's a wash for me. Backups. Backups are decimated. We've got Chuma Adoga injured, Cameron Clark on IR. 
We've got Connor McDermott injured right now. We already cut Teton Salties. I mean, what the hell's going on with these backups here? We did have a very nice, deep offensive line. Alex Lewis retired. Put that on top of it. We had a, a lot of depth there, and it was like, all right, who's going to make it? We got a nice starting group. It's not perfectly complete yet, but it's pretty good. And then we got some good backups behind it with, like, Feeney's and Lewis and Adoga and Fan. You know, now all of a sudden everybody's getting injured, and you don't have as much wiggle room. If somebody else goes down, it's like, oh, shit, this group is really, really thin, really, really fast. And the last thing we need is a really good Zach Wilson season derailed because the backups and the people filling in on the offensive line are absolutely blowing it. No, thank you. We'll see what happens there. We, we did pick up David Moore. We did pick up this new guy, Isaiah Williams. We'll see if one of them can step up and, and fill a role, at least as a backup. Maybe Chuma Doga can come back. Maybe Connor McDermott comes back. Probably don't want him playing. I think I'd rather have Chuma Doga, but still need one of those guards, a backup, hopefully better than Feeney. So that is what we got with the offensive line at this point in time. Now, before we move over to the defense, we are going to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right. This is what's on tap. And today, I'm drinking a little vino, a little white wine, Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc, an absolutely delicious little summer treat. This is probably my favorite wine. I'm a, a white wine guy in the summer, and Sauvignon Blanc is my favorite. Nice and citrusy. It's Oyster Bay. It's good stuff. It's usually like 11 12 bucks. It's in every single package store, I think. Pretty common stuff, but it is good, and it is worth it, and very drinkable. Goes great with seafood if you're in the New England area, as we are here in Connecticut. Got some great seafood, some great white wine. Pairs wonderfully in the summer. This is actually fiance Shannon's white wine. She does not know that. She's at yoga right now. I cracked it and drank it, but the reason that it's in the fridge is because it's my favorite. So I guess technically it was bought with me in mind, so it is mine to drink for this episode. I'm enjoying it. Nice, nice heavy pour in a little Yeti wine cup. And, you know, I don't drink a ton of wine in this podcast, but I've been drinking more. Wine glasses are so dumb. I understand that, like, you don't want to hold the wine and warm it up and everything, but who the hell wants to hold a wine glass or even have one standing somewhere? So dangerous. The liquid's, like, a foot off the ground or off the surface that you have it on. It's all top-heavy, and it's just an accident waiting to happen. It doesn't make any sense. You know, for those that are still drinking in wine glasses, just chill with it. You don't have to do that. I know it's classy. I know it's what you were told to do. But cups work great. And it's so much easier to do a wine chug from a cup than from a, a tall, awkward glass. And they're hard to wash, and you're afraid to put them in the dishwasher, and they're tall, and the top rack, they, like, hit the top thing, and they're so frail when you're trying to get your hand in there, but your hand's too big to actually get all the way in to clean. It's just a wine glass. Is... Anyways, delicious Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc for this week's podcast episode. And now we're going to talk about the defense, but first we do have to take a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We are talking defense. Who's popping? Who's flopping? We are going to talk about the defensive line where we just took a big old hit losing Carl Lawson for the season. He was by far the best edge rusher that we had, and other than Quinn and Williams, he was one of the very few stars on the defense. Quinn and Williams, C.J. Mosley, maybe Marcus May, you'd say, and that's about it. Lawson being probably the biggest one of them all. He's one of the worst players you could lose on the entire team. The whole defense runs to the defensive line. He was the guy, whatever. Anyways, we got to move on. Life passed him. Who could potentially fill in? Bryce Huff right now is probably the Jets' best edge rusher. He gets around the edge. He gets to the quarterback. He's got good pursuit, good speed. He's got a couple moves that can get him around the outside. 
and he's made hits on the quarterback so far in training camp and preseason. The thing about Bryce Huff is he's not the best outside of that. He's not a great run stopper. He doesn't shed blocks very easily. He can get bottled up. So is he an every down player? No, but can he work his way up and into that role? Can he get a little bit more mass and be coached and trained to do something like that? Very possible. I am still high on Bryce Huff, and I think that his playtime goes up with Carl Lawson down. You've also got guys like Hamilcar Rashid, who's been playing, and he also has had some pops. He's kind of like a Bryce Huff light, where he gets bottled up and totally out of the play sometimes, but he has had a couple moments of pop. We'll see what we get from him. Other guys that you potentially be rolling into that role would be Ronald Blair, who's been banged up. Vinny Curry, who hasn't played yet, he's banged up. You got JFM on the other side. You potentially could be using a guy like Nathan Shepard on the outside. You could do bigger defensive line. It's not a great group right now. You really miss Carl Lawson, but somebody needs to shine. Jabari Zaniga has not been the guy. You wish that he would be better, but so far he looks like, why do we even have him? I'm not sure. I mean, he probably will make the 53-man roster because we drafted him last year, but at this point in time, he has shown nothing, and he's been banged up in preseason. It's just uh, he's probably better off banged up because then he doesn't have bad tape. Anyways, we'll see what happens on the defensive line. We just added Aaron Adia, so we'll see what he can do. If he can make a little bit of a splash. He's a huge guy. If you see him, like, I saw him in practice today, um, an image of him, and I was like, who's that hulking man? Oh, there he is. That's the new guy. And if he can make a little bit of a push, that would be big as well. We do have good interior defensive linemen. Quinn Williams is coming back. He's going to be great. Foley Fadakasi hasn't been playing much right now, but he's going to be great. And Sheldon Rankins, hopefully if he gets healthy, he'll be very good as well. Moving to the linebacking core, you got one good linebacker in C.J. Mosley. One great linebacker, I would say. He's getting paid a lot, but we didn't know what we'd get from him. And at one point it was like, I don't know if he's ever going to play football at a high level ever again. He was injured for a whole season. He opted out last year, and you were wondering, is he just trying to, like, milk this thing and make it last and then fade away, or does he actually have the drive and the ability to come back and be great again? From what we've seen, he lost a lot of weight. He looks like a different player. He's super skinny, fast, and uh, he's playing really, really well. His coverage skills are there. His tackling is there. And if he lost any sort of step from the groin, any sort of thing from being older, any step gone, he gained it back by losing the weight. So as long as he can make the tackles, which it looks like so far in preseason he can, He's going to be very good, and thank God because he's the anchor. In this 4-3 defense, you run three linebackers. You don't have Jared Davis on the side anymore. Now you got, like, two rookies in Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza Nasraldin or potentially another guy who's getting his nose out there, Noah Dawkins, who's getting more and more playtime each week. So potentially one of those guys gets in there. Maybe they won't run as many linebackers. They'll do more nickel. They'll do more dime, bring another safety in, something like that. But C.J. Mosley is the answer in there. He is the cog in the middle. He's the mind. He's the body, he's the talent, he's the whole thing. And other than that, it's a whole lot of question marks. The veteran on the team, aside from C.J. Mosley, is Blake Cashman in the linebacking group. And Blake Cashman's finally healthy right now. Who knows how long that'll last. But he potentially could play some serviceable minutes as well. Typically more of a C.J. Mosley back up at the middle linebacker position. Not exactly sure how he factors into the 4-3 because, one, we haven't played a 4-3, and two, he's never on the field. But now that he's back, he's out there, he probably will make the final 53-man roster in my Assumption, but who knows? So, an interesting group there, to say the least. Cornerback is another very interesting group because we don't even have a C.J. Mosley there. The veteran of the group is Bless Austin and then maybe, like, a Bryce Hall and Javelin Guidry. Those are your veterans. It looks like right now, starting at outside cornerback, your starters are going to be Bless Austin, as long as he's healthy, he's a little banged up right now too, and Bryce Hall. And that's an okay group. You'd like Bryce Hall to probably be a cornerback too, 
You'd like Bless Austin to probably be an outside cornerback three. They're pushed up a spot, but if they can stay healthy, they can do okay, especially if you can get a pass rush. It's going to be very important to get a pass rush to help with this cornerback group. Now, beside that, you don't have a ton. Lamar Jackson was on the team last year. He's not very good. Bennett Jackson is a DB on this team. He's not good at all. He's going to be gone very soon. Corey Ballantyne is already gone. So now you're looking at a bunch of rookies like Isaiah Dunn, Elijah Campbell. You've got Brandon Eccles, Jason Pinnock, Michael Carter too. Michael Carter too is playing on the inside slot area. So let's take him out right now. Pinnock didn't play in the most recent game, so we don't know much about him. Eccles got injured today. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Isaiah Dunn played against the Packers and looked horrible. He was a guy that was trending up in training camp. He played one game, and I was like, I don't need to see much more of this guy. He's not the guy for me. Elijah Campbell, haven't seen much from him yet thus far in training camp. So you're looking at like, okay, is it going to be Lamar Jackson's cornerback three? He's the guy that you may not even want to make a roster. So your outside cornerbacks in this Jets group is thin. And we knew it was thin. It was always thin. But you were hoping that an Eccles or a Pinnock would pop on the outside. And with them injured, and with Isaiah Dunn, getting an opportunity and not showing up, you're like, oh, shoot, we're a little bit further back than we were hoping we'd be at a group that was already very, very thin. So hopefully somebody steps up. Hopefully the guys stay healthy. Hopefully Bryce Hall and Bless Austin play a little bit better than we expected. And most importantly, hopefully we're getting a pass rush to make the whole cornerback job in this defense easier and make it work. It all goes together. When you look at the slot cornerback spot, much, much more comfortable there. You had Javelin Guidry, playing last year, who had almost a comparable PFF grade, and you know even the eye test he passed, basically the same as Brian Poole, one of the reasons we didn't bring Brian Poole back in the offseason. And then you sign Michael Carter, too, who actually played very, very good coverage. Michael Nani had some really good stuff on Twitter showing, like, 15 coverage snaps, no targets allowed, and he was blanketing receivers all game against the Packers. So Michael Carter, too, looks like a very serviceable backup in the slot. Question is, can either one of Javelin Guidry or Michael Carter, too, play on the outside in a pinch? That remains to be seen. But you feel good about slot cornerback, dime cornerback. You don't feel great about the outsides right now behind Bryce Hall and Bless Austin. And even them, you know, you're moving them up a little higher than you'd like them to be. Going to the safety group, Marcus May and LaMarcus Joyner are the expected starters for this team. LaMarcus Joyner's a little banged up. Marcus May isn't playing his best ball right now. Hopefully he's just saving it in the preseason. Um, he's a pretty wimpy, wimpy tackler. I think he's getting worse at tackling every single year. This preseason so far, he has not taken any hits, and it's very possible they're like, listen, make it to the season. Don't worry about it. Live to play another snap, especially because the games don't matter right now. But I hope to see a little bit more edge and a little bit more toughness from him when the regular season begins. LaMarcus Joyner, I think he could be a very good player. we got to make sure that he's all right and ready to go for week one because the other backup safety, Ashton Davis, that you'd expect to be playing, is also not going to be set to go for week one. has been injured for quite some time. We actually have two guys popping in that group, though. Sherrod Neesman and JT Hassel have been moving around the field. They've been coming up to the line. They've been doing some blitzing. They've been doing some coverage. And both of them have looked very good. At times, Neesman's like, whoa, look at this guy. Who's popping? JT Hassel's also made some very big plays, some big pass breakups, interceptions in practices, sacks in the regular games, the preseason games. So both of these guys are trending up right now. And I don't know what they're going to do because you have... Ashton Davis, who may be on the active 53-man roster, LaMarcus Joyner and Marcus May. You may bring one more. Do you really want to have five safeties going into the regular season? Then you have to pick between Neesman and Hassel. There's a little bit to like from both of them. Maybe edge in terms of career Neesman, in terms of recent play Hassel. So I think that's a very interesting thing to see, and I am high on both of those guys. 
Moving over to special teams. Who's popping? Who's flopping? Well, a couple of flops early on. Chris Nagar and Sam Ficken have already been cut, but we brought in what is now considered a pop. Matt Amendola, the kicker, was a guy that we didn't have, I didn't have a ton of hope for because he's a no-name guy who hasn't kicked in games, and I've seen what that looks like when you see a Sam Ficken etc. Kick at a game, and it's like, oh yeah, the moment was way too big for him. Matt Amendola comes out, and I'm thinking to myself, this guy is just kicking right now, and when somebody else from another team gets cut, he'll be gone, and we'll pick up that guy. But he had some really nice kicks in this preseason game against the Packers. He booted like a 54-yarder. He made a 40-yarder by like an inch and a half, made all of his extra points, and he kicked them, and he kicked them straight, and they went in. Now, they were very close, and there's still a part of me that's like, that may be a miss in a regular season game. A little bit more nerves, a little bit more wind. But listen, for right now, all you can do is make the kicks that you're given, and he's making them. So he is trending up right now, got a little bit of a pop. But there's going to be kickers like maybe Jose Borregales. Eddie Pinero was just cut today. There's going to be other guys on other teams that are going to be more veteran or higher potential type of kickers that you'd see. And, you know, Austin Cyber is going up against rookie Evan McPherson, and that's a great battle because McPherson's been on fire so far this offseason, and Siebert's a pretty good kicker, so he's another guy that could be in the mix. We'll see what happens at kicker. All I want is the best man for the job. I don't want an experiment just for the sake of an experiment or like, well, he was already on the roster, so we're going to get him, or he's really cheap. How about we get the guy that we truly believe is the best kicker? That's what we should be doing. Braden Mann, the punter, is absolutely on his game. He looks good right now. He's kicking the lights out of the ball, getting them inside the 10, which is something he wasn't usually very good at. He was like, uh, he had the ability to have a nice boot. He can tackle very well, but inside the 20, not a lot of finesse there. So far in this preseason, he's shown that he has more finesse than I thought. So very, very pumped on Braden, man. He is popping. We talked about the punt return situation with Braxton Berrios not doing great, potentially Keelan Colby and the guy there on kickoff returns. So far, it's been Michael Carter kind of doing it. Corey Ballantyne was doing a good job there, but he was just cut, so it's obviously not going to be him in the regular season. Big play Vincent Smith. He's a special teams standout so far, and maybe he could be a kick returner as well. So that's what we got for the special teams. That's what we got for the offense. That's what we got for the defense. Plenty of guys popping. Plenty of guys flopping. This team is a work in progress. I mean, my dad said it best in the father time. We are going to surprise people. We're not going to go into games being favored. This team has a lot to learn. There's going to be some really rough weeks and some really big learning curves. But the team does have the fight. They've got some spark, some spunk, some really good players out there too that they will surprise some teams and they're going to win some games. So I look forward to it. We don't know what games they're going to win, what games they're going to lose. Somewhere between five and eight wins is my guess. The loss of Carl Lawson puts me closer to like six, seven. But I could see this team at the end of the year being a little scrappy and maybe, you know, if they peak and everything goes well, People stay healthy in Zach Wilson rocks. I could see them being a scrappy team looking at the playoffs in week, you know, 14. I think that that would be a big, big success if that happens for the Jets this year. My big gauge for the team is, like, don't be drafting in the top five. Don't be one of the bottom five teams. That's like tanking teams. If you're in, like, six, seven, eight, nine, ten is where you're drafting, those are the teams that just suck but are trying to win. And I think the Jets should be trying to win. There's no more reason to try to get the first, second overall pick. It's time to go. Let's get this team rocking. Let's get this team rolling. You're wondering, what's next, Dan? What do we got coming up? What can we be looking forward to? Well, we got joint practice with the Eagles for the remainder of this week and then a game on Friday, 7.30 p.m. The Jets will be taking on the Eagles for their final preseason game of the season. I kind of like three games instead of four. I think it flies by a little faster. I think thinking about it now like a fourth game would be unnecessary. 
We've seen what we need to see. I think the cutdown numbers are a little weird. I wouldn't want to go from 90 to 85, 85 to 80, and then 80 to 53. I think it should be like 10 guys per week, but we'll see what they do there. Um, that's going to be the Jets' only home game, so they're going to be staying up here in New York until the season begins, and then they go down to Carolina. So August 31st will be the cutdown day when they bring the roster to 53 at 4 p.m., and then it'll be a ton of waiver acquisitions and then cutting guys on that 53 to make room, signing the practice squad players. And we've got a bye week before the season actually begins. A week off where we can just compose ourselves. We're going to do a podcast on September 7th. We're gonna, that's going to be right after the roster cutdowns, like you know five, six days after roster cuts. So we can talk about the 53-man roster, how it settled up. And then we can actually preview the game that's going to be that following weekend against the Carolina Panthers. In Carolina, we're going to see Sam Darnold. We're going to see Robbie Anderson, who just got a new contract, two years, $29 million. Congratulations, son God. September 12th, 1 p.m., CBS. The Jets are already four-and-a-half-point underdogs. So we'll see if that changes throughout the weeks because the Jets are absolutely going to startle, shock, surprise the world when they play the Panthers. Call it now. We're going to talk about that stuff on the Panthers preview episode, which will be a hybrid 53-man roster analysis, Panthers preview, and then it's just regular season rolling. That'll be at that point every single Tuesday, following each game, all the fun stuff, pops and flops, father times, what's on taps, you name it, it's all going to be there. We're going to keep doing it. Just in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan, and enjoy being 2-0 in the preseason. Does it matter? No, not really. But you know what? If I'm watching a game for three hours, I would much rather win than lose. And I was damn excited when they were winning. I was going touchdown. My hands are going up. I'm fired up. You know what? I'm living for these small fleeting moments of happiness and excitement. Who cares if they're quick and they go by? I still had them, and they were awesome. So way to go, Jets. See if we can get one more, finish out this preseason 3-0 and undefeated, and then carry that in to Carolina. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. <laughs>